Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I am pleased to welcome Sue Armato, Executive Director of the Cancer Support Center. Sue is graciously joining us on this episode for a conversation about thriving, not just surviving with cancer. Thank you for being here. How are you today? I am very, very good today. Thank you for having me, and I'm really excited to really talk about thriving because we don't always connect cancer with thriving, but it's a good opportunity for us to do that. So you invited me to be a speaker at a conference recently, and it was this subject. It was about thriving and not just surviving with cancer. And you gave the opening speech. I was so impressed by your sincerity, your authenticity about not just sharing your own personal experiences, but why it was so important to you that you established this conference for cancer survivors and their caretakers to understand that while it's a difficult journey, yes, there are so many positive opportunities presented in such in the face of such difficulty. Can you please tell us about mm-hmm. your personal history with cancer? Absolutely. About seven years ago, um, I was diagnosed with the gynecological cancer. It was cervical cancer, but one that presents in a really different way. Um, I was going to Loyola Hospital and they hadn't even seen this type of cervical cancer before. So a lot of people, a lot of eyes were on it. A lot of people looked at it. The Mayo Clinic, they sent it to Mayo to look at too. And um, so it was, uh, it was kind of a scary situation for everybody. Even the doctors are a little more nervous because they hadn't seen it, this version. I can say that when I got the diet, when I was diagnosed, I, I think like most of us who are survivors, you know, my time stood still. It was a very complicated journey for me and that it was cervical cancer. Um, they were going to have to remove not just all of my um, female parts, but also my vagina had been destroyed. So they're going to have to recreate a new vagina using abdominal wall tissue to create that. Um, it also tore apart my rectum. So that was going to have to be surgically repaired. And then I needed to have an ostomy bag, actually an ileostomy bag um, for three months while my um, rectum and intestines healed, six weeks of radiation, mm. six weeks of chemotherapy. Um, you know, radiation and chemotherapy are very hard on our bodies. They're poisons that mm-hmm. we try to avoid, but we're using to kill this. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I had all of the side effects of terrible diarrhea and a lot of pain. I, my bladder was impacted. I lost a kidney. I mean, a kidney function went away because of the chemotherapy. So it was a lot over the first six months of dealing with this and very frightening for my family. I had two teenage daughters and very supportive husband. And I think for watching them and what they had to go through was almost harder on me than my own diagnosis because for me, I had things I could do to get better. And I just sort of threw myself into them saying, you know, I'm, I'm gonna survive. I just never, never would accept any other option and I will do whatever I need to do to do that. While you were talking about the initial diagnosis, that's something that um, I have heard people who have been diagnosed right. with cancer say, in that you go to the doctor's office and they give you this pronouncement and time stands still. Can you say a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, when when you hear the words you have cancer, you immediately go to a very dark place because we equate cancer with death. I think we just think that when we hear that. Mm -hmm. So hearing those words, it's I think it's almost like immediate trauma of hearing those words and how you were reacting to it and it's so big your mind can't even process it. I think that's why everything stops. For me, it was very intentional. Like I realized that I'm now in my mind is taking me to a dark area, but I want to survive. I want to win. I need to pull back out of that and sort of come back into the present moment to talk with um, the oncologists and getting the extra opinions and things like that. You're being given this information. Right. First of all, all you can hear is the word cancer. So you have to process all of this technical information. Right. And you're processing how you are going to deal with it, how your family is going to deal with it. So how do you even find the wherewithal to say to yourself, I'm not going to that dark place? How did you do that? Yeah, um, I did that by breaking everything down into tiny steps. So it's like there are all these you know, crazy things that you have to do and go through. Mm -hmm. And they're so outside of any normal experience you've had. It, to me, it almost felt like I was in a strange land with a language I couldn't understand. Mm. And it is just very overwhelming. Um, but for me, I what I did is I tried to write everything down that I knew I was going to have to do. And then I would just take it bit by bit. If I ever, if, if I would have thought, oh my gosh, I have six weeks of radiation. If I had ever, whenever I think that, it felt very overwhelming to mm. me. So I'd be like, no, right now we're just focusing on this week and today this is what I need to do. The other thing is it was very important to me to um, keep my routines as as normal as my, I physically could do. At that time I was in a great deal of pain because of the size of the tumor and all oh, that. But I would, um, you know, I would still try to make breakfast for my family and you know, get them out the mm -hmm. door. I was I was already on disability leave at that time because of the pain. Mm -hmm. um, and I would I would go for a walk, even if it meant just walking up to the corner and back. I would do that mm -hmm. every day mm -hmm. because that was also a time where I could kind of clear my mind and focus on. Okay, I I can't tackle this whole huge mountain right now. Mm -hmm. I all I can think about is the next couple steps ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And that was really how I was able to pull out one way that I was able to pull out. The other thing is I'm a very faithful person and I definitely leaned very heavily on my my faith mm -hmm. um, and uh, just sort of asking for the extra help I need to, to get through this I never blamed God I never was mad at God I know some people do that but mm -hmm. I, I never wanted to waste any time on the negative I felt like the more I give into negative thought the harder this is going to be for me have you always been that way um, I think I'm, I'm always an optimistic person. Mm -hmm. I am. I'm definitely mm -hmm. optimistic and faithful. But um, so it probably is a little bit of the tools that I have in my natural tool toolkit. Um, but this is a whole different game. I had to learn how to open myself up for help. Mm. I've always been a really independent person. I I'm a, I'm a natural caretaker, so it was very hard for me to. Um, let others help me out a little bit. And Why? It's just not what I'm used to. It's uncomfortable for me to take help. It was before because I don't know. I think because I'm so used to like being the organizer or the champion or the you know caretaker of mm -hmm. everyone in my family mm -hmm. and even my friend roles are defined were defined that way. That it seemed awkward to me then for someone to say I'd like to make a meal for you because almost like me saying yes was a way of giving in to the 
negative that I was experiencing. Oh. But I have to say, one of the things, one of these little things that I did along the way was I had the chaplain come and see me during chemotherapy every week. Mm -hmm. And I talked to the, the chaplain who came about this, that, oh, I have friends who want to do this, but not used to accepting this. And she made this wonderful, you know, it's very basic, but a wonderful uh, response to me that if your friend had cancer, what would you do for her? And I'm like, well, I, I would be making food. I'd be offering to take her kids. She's like, so why do you not allow your friend to do that for you? I would be giving them a gift of letting to help me because they don't know what to do with the pain they're experiencing because of my cancer. You know, we, I ended up having five weeks of, you know, four meals a day brought to the house. I didn't eat many of them because you, when you're going through all that, you don't eat much. Sure. But my gosh, was it awesome for my family mm -hmm. to, to get that benefit. And it certainly felt so much love came to me through that, that that fueled my spirit as well. So I wonder if it also felt, well, from one type A person to yeah. another, <laughs> if it felt like you were losing control too right. by taking help. That's exactly right. It's a little bit of putting the white flag up and surrendering. And um, for me, I'm kind of a like, you know, storm the castle, like full steam ahead, charge. Mm -hmm. um, so so it, was a, it was learning how to frame that a little differently, that it wasn't mm. actually surrendering. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was getting the extra resources you need to fight this amazingly difficult battle that you're in. And just as I was willing to use my faith and, um, you know, kind of meditation through walks and things like that um why could why am i unwilling or putting up a barrier to use that that like piece of strength that can come to me too so that was kind of a big life lesson for me in that. i'm glad you said the word strength it's it's a word that popped into my head while you were talking mm -hmm. surrendering is not necessarily a form of weakness but a show of strength exactly exactly opening yourself up to receive that that positive energy, that that you know, that friendship, that mm -hmm. love is is one of those things that you know. There were days along that journey that I wasn't sure I could get up out of bed and fight again another day. But when I would think of those meals, or my friends sent me many cards, and I hung them up on the wall in my bedroom. And so some days when I felt really low, I would look at that wall and reel and say to myself, "You don't have the energy to fight for yourself today." but you're fighting for them today. Mm. And um, and that would help motivate me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big piece of of fighting this terrible fight is, is really being open and willing to rally whatever resources you can to fight the fight. And um, I think that's what's so extraordinarily special about the Cancer Support Center, where we are um, right now, because not everybody has that. I was fortunate to have family that could help and friends that wanted to rally and I know that that was a, an amazing gift that I had that others don't necessarily have which is why I ended up after being sick coming to the Cancer Support Center to try to give others those gifts of strength. Okay so what were you doing for work before you um, were diagnosed? And, yeah, I have been an executive director of um, several different nonprofits in Chicago, but more focusing on policy. So doing a lot of policy work on education, um, policy work on poverty, low-income issues, mm -hmm. really trying to advance um, those causes through policies um, along the way. 
And so I had over 20 years experience of being an executive director, had to stop, like I said, because I was in so much pain, I couldn't even function anymore. It, it took about 20 months of working on getting rid of the cancer and the side effects. The side effects for me were terrible. Um, and then the center had a position open. I And I thought to myself, and I say this often now, that helping at the center, it makes sense out of all the crazy nonsense of cancer that I mm. went through. You know, it's a way of making some sense of why did why did all this happen? Like, why did I go through all of this? And for some people, they want to close the door and move on, and that's to- totally fine. For me, it was super important to um, be able to give back and to help others get some of the the tools and the gifts that I got along the way to make it more manageable. Okay. So you entered the position at right. the Cancer Support Center. How long ago was that? Over five, just over five years ago. Okay, Good. wonderful, congratulations. Thank you. What kinds of activities and uh, resources and support are provided? Sure. The Cancer Support Center, our mission is to help someone along their journey, that we will walk with you along your journey. And how the way we do that is we provide at no charge we offer things like counseling, uh, individual or family, child counseling. We have support groups that you that someone can be a part of. We have networking groups, which are more kind of learning about the education, less about emotional wellness and more mm-hmm. about learning. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of great fitness, like some wonderful yogis <laughs> like you, <laughs> Thank you. Um, who really help our participants, you know, really find a centering strength um, in themselves learning how to breathe in a way that will help manage anxiety, um, flexibility, reducing pain. So we have a lot of gentle fitness we offer here. Nutrition is a big piece of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important to, you know, as, as the chemo and the radiation are destroying your cancer cells, they're also destroying your good cells. So making sure that you're giving your body the nutrition it needs um, to fight and to stay strong during that is really critical. So we do one-on-one consults, but we also have a lot of classes. We offer free wigs. Body image is important to us. Um, so having free wigs for people as well as breast prosthetics is important. I, I can say that that was another little thing I did when I was sick was I always made sure I would get up and like make my hair look nice and wear a nice outfit. Not that I was dressed fancy, but I, I didn't, I wanted the reflection, my reflection when I walked by a window and you can mm. see yourself back. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to kind of look like me mm-hmm. and not like this sick cancer person. Okay. Because I was trying to like remind my brain of who I am. Yes. But anyway, so body image is a big thing that we do here as well. We do art therapy so that people really enjoy that and really get a lot of um, comfort and a lot of care. So we do all of those activities, every over 13,000 hours of free programming a year. Over 4,000 people have been served by us last year. So um, you're right, we're at, we're, we serve all the Chicago Southland. Anyone who walks through our doors, we will take care of them. And not just cancer survivors themselves, but Absolutely. caretakers. Absolutely. Caretakers are so critical. Um, and often caretakers don't want to take the time to take care of themselves. <laughs> yes. But it's you, you know, it's sort of like on the airplane with the extra mask. Put your extra mask mm-hmm. on first, and then mm-hmm. you can help the one you're with. We kind of forget that lesson when we're dealing with any trauma, but it's, you know, including cancer. But we really try to offer a lot of support to our caregivers. Um, and we even offer bereavement um, in the event that someone has passed away from cancer that will help their loved one 
It could be a friend, it could be a spouse, it could be a child who's lost their parent. We provide all of those resources. And I think that it's so absolutely critical to offer these. I, I gave a little bit of insight on how some of these things I used in my own life during my battle, but um, these aren't really things that are talked about a lot when you go to your doctor, when you meet your oncologist. My oncologist, um, when I was diagnosed, gave me a handful of scripts. One was like anti-nausea, one was uh, hydrocodone, and the other was for Xanax. She's like, you might need this. I hadn't even thought about that. I'd never never had anxiety before. I mean, I've been anxious, Did but not... Did she break it down for you? Uh-uh. Or just... It was like, here are these three things. And, and when I looked at the Xanax, it it kind of threw me for a loop. Not that, not that, um, not that it's wrong to use Xanax or anything like that, but it, mm-hmm. but it signaled to me. It told me they're going to be these. You might have really bad anxiety, and you might need this. But it wasn't a conversation about that. You know, it's just like here's a piece of paper. So I think that when I think of my experience, um, it just reminds me of how important the center is. So that if you if someone's having a lot of anxiety a lot of depression, feeling alone. You can have you can have a hundred people cheering you on and still feel alone. Community. Yeah. That's what has really struck me about the Cancer Support Center. Not just the services, all of the wonderful services you've mm-hmm. just described, which are just phenomenal and unique because everyone processes their situation differently. Yes. And so, for instance, my mother had a breast cancer 20 years ago now, mm-hmm. and she is not the type of person to go sit in a room with other people and talk about it. Right. So the Why Me offering mm-hmm. was not appealing to her whatsoever. Right. That's how we found yoga. She wouldn't have to use her words and still get the benefit of support from others, support from a community. And that's what's really struck me is about, again, the Cancer Support Center is that, yes, so many resources, but you can pick and choose what's appropriate for you. Absolutely. And you make these incredible friendships. Can I tell you how many times I'll start a class or I'll be ending a class and the participants cannot wait to talk to each other. Um, they find one another, and then these beautiful friendships and connections blossom, and then f- more resources happen. The walking club exactly. happened from a group of ladies who right. were doing yoga together who decided, hey, we're feeling stronger and we want to do something exactly. else together. Yeah. And so why not join this walking club Again, that honors the idea of you do what you can do. You right. don't have to do a 5K in this amount of no. time. Right. You can come join us for a block. You can join us for two blocks. You can join us for the whole time. Whatever it is, you come and do what you can. Mm-hmm. And you come be with the friends. Absolutely. There's something magical that happens. A lot of people will say to me, and probably say to you because you come to the center to do yoga, to lead yoga, but people say, isn't it depressing? Like, mm-hmm. aren't you depressed being with people yes. who have cancer? Isn't that hard on you? Mm-hmm. And I have to say, there are moments that are hard, but there's magic that happens every day here because of the friendships and the deep, authentic connections with people who can, 
kind of sort of understand what you're going through because they're going through it too. And even though you might have a different cancer or you're experiencing it a little differently, there's something about common experience that creates a deep, loving community. Um, a couple years ago, we had, heard, we had heard through our cooking classes that there were a number of participants who had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. Oh. And that just seemed devastating to me because, you know, when you're a survivor, you fought hard to be a survivor and you shouldn't be alone on a holiday. Mm. So, so we actually organized, um, our staff did, my family did, organized a Thanksgiving lunch. And we started inviting people to come. We ended up having about 40 people the first year. But what was amazing was as we talked about that, as our as in groups and things like that, there, there's this Thanksgiving lunch. Three other participants, three participants started inviting their friends that they made in the groups to come to their house for lunch for Thanksgiving. And so it was it started as us sort of offering that as just uh we just are heartbroken that people are gonna be alone on this mm -hmm. holiday. But speaking to the power of this community of people, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it turned into, well, who does, you know, one of the participants in a group would say, well, who needs a place to go? Come to my house. I'm happy to have you. And I think that speaks volumes when the people who come here for support are now supporting one another. Like you realize that you've hit this very, you know, beautiful place where it's like, we're all in this together and we're all supporting one another. As opposed to, oh, it's the staff and the participants. You know what I mean? It's So do you think that the fight to be here when you go through cancer might inspire and, and make you grow in ways that you might not have even thought possible? When you go through cancer and um, you start to realize all the gifts that you do have in your life mm -hmm. and you start to value, um, I, I always say you go from living life black and white to color. Like you just, you just start to see more and you don't worry about the little things as much. You know, it's like, all right, well, I didn't have the right, you know, I, I forgot to buy the newspaper today. Like, you know, you just don't get worked about, about that stuff as much. You, you're more focused on being with people and enjoying every moment you can with those people. Um, and I think that's a little bit of what we start seeing is it, it isn't it isn't the burden anymore. It's the oh my gosh, oh. it's the opportunity, right? Instead of that's things being a I challenge, never realized. Yeah, I and I feel like it. You start to see how much more there is if you stop looking at it as a challenge, and go forward. So, yeah, that's what I that's, I think. That's quite remarkable. What that's really profound, actually. Oh. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Let's shift to talking about the the reason why we're here yeah. today, really, um, is the Survive and Thrive Conference. How did that, because it was only the second annual second Survive annual. and Thrive yeah. Conference, right. how was the concept born? It's beautiful. Um, one of the things, being the executive director here at the center, one of the things I started a couple years ago was a participant committee. I felt like it was very important that when the center determines what programs to do, um, that we not just have it be driven by a therapist, but by the people who it's impacting. So we started a participant committee and started to talk about what can we be doing more, what can we be doing better. Um, and one of the things that came out of that group um, was we should have a, a, a conference 
for participants and their loved ones where we're really just focusing in on how can we as survivors not just keep surviving but actually thriving. Last year um, was our first one and that was when we sort of dubbed this idea survive and thrive. Some people who've gone through cancer will say well you shouldn't say that you can never be who you were before like you know you can always go be who that person was. I would argue that you never, you, you can never go back and be the person yeah, you how, were, irregardless of what it was, right? I mean, you have a, you have a child. You're never going to be the person you were before that child. You are forever indelibly changed, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that how we've and our participants have talked about that when you have cancer, you can sort of be stuck a little bit in just that survival mode, like I got to do this to survive. I got to do this mm-hmm. to survive. I got to. You know, I, and, and it can even be, I've got, I've, I've got to go to that art therapy to survive. I've got to go to that nutrition council to make sure I survive. And that's a good thing. Like, that's an important step on the journey to mm-hmm. really folk, to not be lost in the, I'm never going to make it. This mm-hmm. is so hard. Mm-hmm. This is why me, why of all people. And when you can even move from there to, I'm going to survive. I'm going to do what I got to survive. That's mm-hmm. kind of the first step, right? Mm-hmm. And then you realize, okay, I got this surviving thing down kind of. Like I'm doing what I got to do, but now how can I do it in a way where I actually feel positive about mm. what I'm doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and thrive in that survival? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's really how that came to be, really through multiple discussions with group participants of what do we want to do. And, and so we've really labeled these conferences like that, and we are take half a day to think about what do you need to do to thrive? So what kind of things would you want or or would be requested by someone in a position of wanting to move past surviving to thriving right to see or to hear or to feel right right um well uh, a lot of it is what we've already offered so some of it is um is how do we communicate how can you effectively communicate your needs and your wants so typically we have some something on like communication we have things on um uh how can we better control our anxiety and our fears? Because even though you're surviving, don't get me wrong, I had tough, tough days in that journey mm-hmm. when I was surviving. Mm-hmm. And um, so making sure you have the tools to kind of keep those fears at bay and not let them take over, that's how you can thrive. So when you're starting to feel it build up, you have your breathing technique that you use, or you have your yoga that you use, or you break out your paints and you paint. and you know, it's, it's all of that. Right. And so it's defining those, that skill set of how to manage, um, the anxiety more. And then it's also the, the thinking forward about, you know, what do I want out of my life now? Like, like you, I think anytime you've been through a trauma or a major change, you have to kind of redefine what your goals are. So really looking at, you know, what, what do I want out of the next five years? What, what's my goal? You know, am I going to learn something new? Do I want to do something different? So really that life, life goal setting becomes a big piece. Um, so I think those are kind of the big ones that we typically organize, um, programming on. Hmm. It must be hard to be in that situation, right? Where you reach a place where you can actually say, I want this to happen in the next five years to be able to say that. Yeah, it's big. It's, yeah. And you feel a little risky saying it. Mm. I think that many of us survivors don't, you know, I know some people will celebrate like, oh, it's been 10 years or five years. I think a lot of us are just 
we don't even want to tempt the fates, you know, We're, we just don't want to really throw it out there. So, but I think when you start moving into being able to start planning forward and um, fixing some things that might have been strained along the way, I mean, these type of diagnoses are very stressful on couples, on relationships, for your children. Um, very hard. I, I mean, I can say that my, you know, so I'm, I'm almost seven years out, and my younger daughter, who's 20, um, said, you know, so she would have been 14 at the t 14, 16 at the time. She, um, she said to me, Mom, it's this year is the first year that I don't wake up every morning and wonder if you're going to die. I can totally relate to that. As I, again, I mentioned my mom, I was a medical student when she was diagnosed and I was in the operating room when they gave me the diagnosis because it was a family friend who was the surgeon. And unfortunately, having the knowledge, it took years, just like for your daughter, for me not to be scared that I would no longer have a mom. That, yeah, it's so painful, right? And, um, and for me, that was like the hardest part, like I said that before, but really seeing the impact on them. And I tried to maintain everything so normal, but you know, I was sick, you know? So I think part of what's allowed my family to thrive is for me to be okay with them saying that and not feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. yes, moms, mm -hmm. we don't ever want our children to be suffering, mm -hmm. and certainly not because of us, or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not that I had control of the cancer, but um, at first when they would say things like that, I would just feel devastated, honestly, um, because I, don't, I, I was trying to keep the pain from them, you know? So I think part of thriving is really this communication of letting everyone kind of air what they've experienced, what they've gone through, and how we, we've worked through this together, and we're, we're good now, you know, and it's okay to, to close that door for now, you know, because we're in a good spot. One of the things you said in your opening speech at the conference was this, cancer is just a part of my journey, but it doesn't define me. Can you please tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Absolutely. Well, when you're first diagnosed, let me touch on this a little bit. When you're first diagnosed, it's all consuming. Everything in your life is put on hold and you are 110% consumed by beating this and fighting this. And pretty much everybody who loves you is in the same exact spot mm -hmm. of trying to do whatever you can. And I think when you're going through it, you start to feel as though all you are, you can feel as though all you are is cancer. And how, and the treatments, mm -hmm. and the side effects, and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is, if you if you stay in that spot, you, you really are going to struggle to try to reach out to the positive things that can help you navigate the challenges of cancer. And so for me along the way, and it was really probably only a couple weeks in, I just realized that I am still Sue Armato. I am still a wife. I am still a daughter. Mm -hmm. I am still have, I'm a mother, you know, I'm an, I'm a sister and cancer doesn't change any of that. It doesn't take any of that away or mm -hmm. any of those other roles that I am. Mm -hmm. And so even though it feels big and scary and hard, it's just one cancer fighter. It's just one of the many roles I have. And that's what I was trying to say with that statement, mm -hmm. is that 
it doesn't have to define all of you. It's just one little piece of you. And I think if we can remember all those other roles and continue to participate in those roles at whatever level we can, um, I think that's kind of one of those things that helps us thrive. What does being healthy mean to you? I think for me, being healthy, I think being healthy is, um, is not just physical, it's really mind, body, and spirit. And I think that a lot of times we're taught and society sort of engages us in it's all about body, it's all about your BMI and your blood pressure and your mm -hmm. all those things. And those are important things. But I think that health, it's all interconnected. Your body function is, is inter and it also is interconnected with how your, um, you know, how your, your mind is looking at things. If you are walking through feeling like everything's awful, you know, life sucks, I'm never going to be able to do this again, you, that negative message back to you is impacting your physical body, your physical health. So I think it's really important that we think about the mind as well when we think about health. And then I think we need to think about our, our spirits. And um, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about that there's something in us that is bigger than ourselves mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. we are all connected in some crazy cosmic mm -hmm. way. And that if we tend to our spirit as well, whether that's praying, if that's what you do, or it's dancing, or it's singing along, you know, or whatever it is that makes our spirit strong and, um, and pointed in a positive direction, mm -hmm. I think all of that is a part, for me, of what defines health. And um, I think that once we can align all of that together, that it makes us healthier people and healthier people, not just physically healthier, but just how we treat each other, mm -hmm. how we treat animals and how we treat the planet and mm -hmm. how we treat ourselves. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. a lot of times we're not always that good about treating ourselves well either. So to me, health is about connect the connection of all three of those and constantly working towards the balance of those three. Thank you for sharing your time. Um, and thank you so very much for letting me be a part of this spectacular venture that is the Cancer Support Center. It really means so very much to me uh, to be able to share and to be able to know so many remarkable people. Well, thank you. And thank you for being a part of the center because you are one of the key instruments and wonderful resources that our folks have and um, if you have if people have not come to be a part of your yoga they should and I, I hope I hope that some little way if someone is hearing this podcast that feels maybe they could benefit a little bit from the center or something we have I really hope they'll come and if they want to stop by and say hi to me I'd be happy to talk with them and take them around because um, Pretty, pretty much anybody you talk to, talk to who's come here um, will tell you that their life is forever better from being here. So I hope people will access that. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And now it's time for practical tips. Mind, body, and spirit tip. How can you reframe a situation in your life right now 
that you regard as a burden or a challenge into something positive, an opportunity for change or for gratitude. Thanks for listening. See you next time.